You know, we love being a church where there are children uh, in our midst and, uh, and with us. And uh, we thank you, children's workers, who work so hard to point these kids to Jesus. Uh, that's going to be kind of the focus of our time in God's Word today. Uh, the, the sermon series is uh, drawing to a close. We just have uh, this week and then next week. Uh, but I received a number of uh, questions re- related to Christian parenting. So we've talked about biblical manhood and, and biblical womanhood, and, and we landed last week talking about the expressions of that uh, both in the church and also in the home, right, in, in, in marriage. And you think about how Paul moves in Ephesians 5 right into Ephesians 6 to begin to address how children are to obey their parents. And so... I want to uh, spend some time considering uh, this topic, and I would say from the outset that uh, parenting is a very personal topic, isn't it? I mean, it's it's something that you have experienced growing up, and you have opinions about what you experienced, and it's something that many people, even before they have kids, that was me, right, when we were dating, most of our arguments were about how we were going to parent, and none of us had any idea about it because we weren't even married yet, but uh, you tend to have opinions about how things should be and, and how you should go about this as, as a parent. Sometimes our culture has a few opinions as well. We live in a day where you hear, you should never tell your child no. Now, I'll just say the irony is that the same folks that say that get quite upset when in line at Safeway, the little terror is doing his thing and no one's saying no. And they're standing back there saying, oh my goodness, this is just awful. It's an interesting thing. So not, not just parenting today, but Christian parenting. It's a very different category. What are we called to as Christians who parent? What is our mission? What does the, the, the Word of God lead us to? And really, as a father that we have in God, how does he parent us? And we draw so much of, of our calling from the echo of his perfections in parenting. And we are called to then emulate that. The, the way he fathers us, men, that's the way we should father our children. He does so perfectly, and we imperfectly but with the desire to be faithful to obey. So let's pray as we dive in this morning upon this topic. Oh, Father, we are so grateful that we can come to you, your kids, through the work you have given, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the gospel we we are now adopted in, brought into your family, your home, made heirs, joint heirs with Jesus, brought in to be called sons of the Most High, daughters of the King, seated at your table. Oh Lord, once your enemy, what an amazing gift you have given through this amazing grace that we know. And so we look to you today as our Father, God, and we ask that you would lead us and and open our eyes and stir in us these these convictions of how we are to parent as Christians, those who carry your name, those those who have been defined by you at the the deepest levels. 
be glorified, we pray in this, Father. And I pray that, especially for parents here today, there would be some things that they could really take away and put to work. And, Lord, for the young people here in, in this room and listening, I pray that you would encourage them as well. Help them to see these very clear commands of Scripture to obey their parents. I pray that they would own that and feel the, the significance of that and then seek to do these things by your grace this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's begin with uh, Christian parenting. And on your sermon notes, you'll see a number of uh, blanks that you can fill in and take home. This will be helpful, I think, as you, as you get there, especially a sermon like this with so many points uh, you won't remember by the time you arrive in your driveway. So make sure you note these down. Christian parenting begins with Christian parents. So often, we make the work of parenting all about the kids, and we forget, in fact, that the work of parenting is actually, in many ways, far more about the parents than it is about the kids. To be Christian parents is not so much initially about the children, it's about the parent. So, consider this passage. This is my main text for today, the, the anchor text, really the vision for Christian parenting. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, new has come. All of this is from God. It's his work. It's his gift. Who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself, and then look at what he did, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we, that's Christians, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. What does it sound like? What does that appeal sound like? Here's the words of the appeal. Christian parents, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, is that the passage you would first think of when you think of parenting? Well, Christian parenting, yes. This speaks to so many things about the Christian parent. First of all, it speaks to our identity. I am not who I was. I was a rebel, a, a hater of God. I was blind and lost, defined by sin. Now I am His. I, I am a new creation, and, and I am set on a mission. That is my calling. My purpose in this life is to be an ambassador, to to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. And the opportunity, friends, first and foremost for parents is your field of evangelism that lives under your roof. The opportunity is ours to call the gospel forth to our children. Your greatest evangelistic calling, believers who have children, it's your children. There's no greater mission field for the Christian parent than the child that God has entrusted to grow up in your home. This doesn't limit itself only to parents, though, does it? I mean, think, even here today, we have grandparents. I see some of you families sitting together. What a beautiful thing. So Christian grandparenting becomes a category. But it doesn't limit itself to that either. 
You can be an aunt or an uncle, right? You don't even have to have kids of your own. Sometimes God sees that 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 is not his best for you. And there's still a function, an opportunity, right? Because not only does an aunt or an uncle, but in the church, we carry together this opportunity, this calling. So there are children who can come up within the church and who can say, you see that man? I want to be like him. They don't have to be related with, with a bloodline, but in Christ, they are. We're family. And so I just want to say this up front. If, if you are here and you do not have kids of your own, that's okay. There are a lot of these things that can apply and work themselves out as you seek to bless and benefit those that God has put in your path. Close friends as well. Now let's begin with our deepest longing our deepest longing and their greatest need, the children's greatest need. Sometimes it's easy to fall into the category of worldly thinking. If I were to ask you the question, what do you long for most for your children, parents? What, what is it that you just dream for them and you're just working so hard to realize as you raise them up? Well, the world may answer this. We want polite Moral. Maybe, maybe the world wouldn't answer this. Scratch that. <laughs> Free thinking. How about that? Uh, successful, right? I, who, whoever said, I want my child to be totally, a, a total catastrophe in everything he takes on. No, I, I want my child to be successful. That tends to be, in our day, wealthy, right? They have plenty of money. I, I want them to be successful in what they do. And I want them to be happy, fulfilled, satisfied. But Christian parenting realizes that, in fact, this is not really their greatest need, is it? So the Christian parent has a deeper longing than this because Jesus would come and say, oh, wow, polite person, moral, upright, successful in their business, quote-unquote happy, and he would say, that's a wealthy and respectable Pharisee right? I mean, it's not enough to say, be a good boy. It's not enough to say, be a good girl, right? What, what we want is more than just fit in, don't stand out, be successful, pursue your dreams. I'm playing off of last week, you could be whatever you want to be, do whatever you want to do. That is not the message of the Christian parent. If that were true, Jesus would have been delighted with the Pharisees. He would not have gone after them like he did. He would have absolutely no issue with the Mormons, right? Who we tend to agree with in many things when it comes to voting and and moral standards and things. The problem is the gospel is lost there. This is the reality of your children, parents. It's the reality of every single person born in this earth. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were, listen, by nature children of wrath 
like the rest of mankind. Now, I know it's hard to fathom because these little gifts of God are so cute, but they come to us as the cutest little sinners the world has ever known. (laughs) They are sinful by nature. It is not the world that corrupts the innocence of children as so many believe. It is not. That's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. It is the sin nature that has passed from generation to generation, tracing all the way back to our common ancestors, Adam and Eve. Instinct. No child has to learn to be selfish. No child has to learn to say, mine. No child has to learn to be hostile to someone on the playground. That comes naturally. Hmm. Now, there's other things they pick up. And often, they pick those things up by watching us. Because we too are sinners. Christian parent, your child is spiritually lifeless blinded by Satan, enslaved to sin, bound up in foolishness, instinctually rebellious, and in desperate need of salvation. This is their greatest need, and it is the Christian parent's greatest longing. This is the Word of God. The problem is, is that oftentimes in parenting, we just simply don't engage parenting at this level of awareness and focus. It's day-to-day, right? We, we get up. It's Monday. What are we going to do? Hey, Johnny, stop that, you know? Honey, come over here. It's time. No, don't, don't pull his hair, you know? It, this, it's every day. But the reality of every day is this right here. Will we seek a path of behavior modification where we press upon our children a mold of be good or... Will we seek at the most deep level of our longing a gospel-rooted transformation of their heart? Life into their soul. The path of this is going to look quite different. If I simply want my child to be good, well, that's not Christian parenting. It's not, that's not distinctly Christian So, it's a somber and serious, a weighty reality that we come into when we consider the the gift and responsibility of Christian parenting. There are, therefore, two pillars of Christian parenting. These are the simple pillars that would apply in all kinds of ways to your life, to the work of the church, and certainly to Christian parenting. The first is evangelism. The second is discipleship. Teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Call it to them. Call them to repent of their sins. Call them to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then teach them to walk with Him. Teach them to live that out. What does it look like day by day? Show them His Word and His law. Teach them to obey in all things. Have their minds renewed by the Word of God. And so we teach our kids that God, in fact, is the creator, right? We go back to the GSCC, the gospel, the good news. He is the one who made this world. Young child, you breathe the air that God owns. 
He's your creator. And he is good. He is a good God. In fact, he's holy. He is perfect. And he calls those made in his image to be like him. But friends, we are not. Kids, we are not. We, we have sinned. Your daddy is a sinner. Your mommy is a sinner. You're a sinner too, little buddy. Right? You're a sinner too. Honey, you've got to remember now, these are the commandments of God. These are good. These are for you. These are, these are his good gifts to us, his commandments, his laws. One of those commandments, the fifth commandment, in fact, is children are to obey, to honor their parents. Hmm. When they fail, there's hope, and they will fail, and so do we. What do we do when we sin? We go to the gospel. We point them to the gospel when they sin. We emphasize the love of God and the promise of God in Christ, the work of Jesus. In fact, in many ways, the work of parenting is simply hold the mirror up for the young one to see that they are a sinner. They need Jesus. Help them understand the reality of sin in their lives and how serious it is and how wonderful Jesus and the good news of the gospel is. Emphasize the vertical relationship. So often, as parents, we're talking only on a horizontal plane. You know, don't do that when you're in classroom. Make sure you don't treat your sister this way. Make sure you don't, you know, say things that are mean to other kids on the plane. It's all this way. The primary relationship that matters most for your child is the vertical relationship. Where do they stand with God? Are they accounting for His commandments, His holiness, His righteousness? Are they considering where they are at in their relationship with Him? Parent, this is your work. Call them to that. Point them to Jesus over and over and over. I like to use the the uh, illustration of, of, of air. If, if, if we go into your home and breathe the air in your home, we should be breathing gospel. Gospel air. The air that we breathe in the home is gospel. It's filled with grace. And it's also filled with, with God and His authority and His commandments. It points to Jesus in 10,000 ways. So, seven things here to build this out. Christian parenting seeks. Christian parenting seeks, number one, to faithfully model and teach God's truth and character. Christian parenting seeks to faithfully model and teach God's truth and character. The gospel, who God is, what He's done. Listen to these words from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Wow, that's a high bar. You feel that? It calls out all idolatry, all selfishness. Give him your whole heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. Not just in your mind, but on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. This is a command, Christian parent, to you. 
teach the commandments, the words of God to your children diligently, faithfully, consistently, lovingly, over and over and over. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. It's a work not just undertaken on Sundays. In many ways, the Christian parent comes and finds encouragement and and renewed strength to go and do the work of Christian parenting for the other days when we gather here on Sunday. How do we filter down the sermon when we get home on Sunday afternoon? Let's talk about what the pastor said. What do you think about that? Where are you at with this? Engage. Initiate conversations. Dads, this is especially your call as a spiritual leader of the home. This is, this is something that God has called you to initiate, to lead in with your children. Let's say this, modeling precedes teaching. The way that we live out a love for God's Word, for God's truth, a delight and, and, and transforming reality of the gospel in our own lives in a sense, it it wins us the opportunity to teach. Do we do this perfectly? No, we don't. But even in that, there's credibility. I think some of the most powerful moments of my life was when my dad, who was also my pastor my entire childhood, sinned, and we all knew it. Like, everybody knew it. Dad, you blew it there, man. That was, that was, wow, you know. And he owned it humbly and confessed it to the Lord. And then he came and he said, I'm so sorry. I got it wrong. I sinned against God. I sinned against you guys. Will you forgive me? Your dad needs the gospel too. You see what I'm talking? It's the authentic modeling of the work of the gospel in your life. Christian, that wins you opportunities to to speak credibly into the lives of your children. If the only sin that bothers you is their sin, something's wrong. Modeling precedes teaching. Listen to the words of Paul to Timothy, his, his, his child, as it were, in the faith. As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it. You see the connection? That's more than just the person. That's their life. That, that's the faith that lived in his mother, uh, Lois, and his grandmother, Eunice, right? So you have a, a, a Christian grandmother and a Christian mother. I think we get the sense that his father was probably not a Christian, But here is a faithful grandma and a faithful mom raising up young Timothy. And they are teaching him how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, God's Word, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. What a heritage that is. Do you see grandparents a role that you can play? Model the gospel and teach the gospel. Don't settle for Francis of Assisi, right? Well, I just, I just live the gospel. I don't have to say a word. No, you do. You do have to say a word. It requires teaching. It requires admonishing, instructing, 
diligent teaching, but first it requires living it out. Let your words be confirmed by your life. Parent in biblical categories. Parents, make sure you are using words like sin, right? This, this is kind of just obvious, but sometimes it just fails us. When you are engaging with behavior that is not okay, don't leave it on your authority. Point the authority up to the Lord. What you're doing, young man, young lady, that's sinful. It's wrong. Go to the Scripture and show them. This is why it's wrong. The Lord has told us this is wrong. It's not okay. And then lead them to confession. Call it what it is. Own it fully. I'm not the victim. I'm the perpetrator. And then repentance and forgiveness and the mercy and grace. Demonstrate the gospel in the way you respond to their asking of forgiveness. Show the grace and the reconciliation. After things are made right, what do we do? Hold a grudge? Hold it over their heads? The rest of the day, the rest of the year? You remember what you did. No, but wait. We talked that through. I repented. I asked forgiveness. We're reconciled. We're together. He's removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. And holiness. And the list goes on and on. Parents, speak in biblical language with your children. Equip them to know words of gospel. Gospel truth. Remember this. Sometimes God uses our past sins as our most powerful teaching opportunity. I've seen parents shy away from teaching their kids in certain areas where they have their own personal failures. They, they feel unqualified to say anything because they, in fact, have sinned horribly in certain places. I would say just the opposite. With the gospel in view, all of my failures, I, I can boast in my weakness because there he shows himself strong. So I can go and I can engage my children and say, listen, your daddy, oh, he, he absolutely sinned here. Don't do what I did. Take my word for it. This is not a good way to go. Obey the Lord. Let me encourage you to obey the Lord. You see what I'm saying? Don't allow your sin to disqualify you from calling them to the holiness that God wants to bless them in as they obey. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, Paul says. Bring them up. Bring them up. Not beat them down. Right? This, this is not a, a Bible thumping on the head. I told you. How many times do I have to tell you? Bam, bam. No. It's a nurturing, a loving, an intimate, a close, fatherly, motherly, caring, discipling, and instructing work. And by the way, it's a marathon, not a sprint, isn't it? This is a long-range one. <laughs> I still remember how many times we had to tell our kids to say thank you. Just like when they were little, over and over and over. And I love, in fact, I caught them again just the other day. I was in another room, and I heard them get up from, from uh, the, the dinner table and, and, and say to their mom, who worked hard to make that dinner, Thanks, Mom. That was awesome. And I'm like, yes! 
does. Now, they've been doing that for a long time now, but just as an example, it's a marathon work. Don't give up. Christian parenting seeks to teach children to respect and obey authority. To respect and obey authority. One of the most important roles you have, Christian parent, is to help your child understand how significant and important it is that they find their place under the God-assigned authorities in their lives. This is a real problem in our day. A child who has never heard the words no has total disregard for authority. You see it all the time. It's one of the reasons why you see people just standing in the face of the police, taunting and yelling. I'm like, I could never do that. That's... There's no category for that in my mind. Hmm. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. You see this? It's the fear of the Lord provides a a canopy of, of shelter and protection. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. Begin with the authority that is the the one that sets all other authority. Begin with God. Teach them as Solomon did to his sons, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, reverence and awe. Tremble at his word, young ones. Tremble at his word. God, when He gives commands, He's not messing around. They are to be obeyed. Absolutely. Those commands are serious and weighty. Children, here comes a command. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Do you see the connection of authority? God is the authority, and He has set your parents over you, young people, And you are to obey the Lord as you obey the parents that he has given you. This is right. Honor your father and mother. And then Paul adds this. This is the first commandment with a promise. What an awesome thing. The fifth commandment comes with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So Old Testament meets New Testament. The call is the same. Children. Obey your parents. Honor them. And by the way, the honoring of parents does not end when you move out. That continues. There is a way to honor your parents. You might not always agree with them, right? But you can still honor them in the way you interact. Hmm. So you have so many various aspects of authority. They all trickle down from the, the one authority, that is God. You have parental authority. And then in the church, you have pastoral, elder authority that God has lovingly blessed us with. And then teacher authority. When you go into your schools, how do you treat your teachers? Young people, as unto the Lord. Whoa. That's not normal in school. Employer's authority, government authority, police authority. See how it just continues? All of it tracks back to God's authority. And parents, that is what we seek to equip our children with. The security of boundaries. I was in high school and I had a buddy named Jeff and 
he moved up from California and he was in a single parent home and his mom worked a lot and she was gone a lot and really Jeff was kind of on his own and so I just became friends with him, shared the gospel with him. He became a Christian. It was, it was a special thing. One of the first times I got to lead someone to the Lord. And a few months later, he, he just told me one night, he's like, dude, I, I, I see what your home is like, and I, I just wish, I wish my mom loved me enough to give me some rules. And I was baffled by that. Just, I'm a you know, I'm growing up at home. I figured everything was like my experience, and then I, I'm, I'm seeing this, and he comes home from school. There's food in the freezer. He makes his own dinner. He can go out, be out as long as he wants. He's basically saying it doesn't matter to her. She doesn't care. Do you hear the connection? The setting of boundaries, the, the, the establishing of authority is a security for the child, even the teenager. It is a security blanket. It is a gift of love. It displays, I care about you. This is not just the rule of law. This is my heart engaged in your life. I'm active. I'm participating with you. So parents, set boundaries. Be clear and stick to them when you draw the line in the sand. That leads us to the third point. Christian parenting seeks to discipline, keyword, defiant disobedience. Defiant disobedience. How many times have you been uh, in a situation where someone's like, Johnny, if you do that again, then you're going to get a spanking. And he looks at his mom and he's like, bink. <laughs> Nothing happens. I'm going to count to three. One, two, Two and a half, bink, bink, right? Three, four. Kids know when we are blowing smoke. Be people of your word, Christian parents. When you draw a line, stick to it. That means we need to be very aware and tuned in to the lines that we draw. We need to be realistic, right? These these. These young people are works in progress. We're just like us. So don't draw unrealistic lines and then have to maintain them. I did this once at the dinner table, man. We were big on you finish what is put on your plate. Mom makes it. It's good, right? We're going to eat it. And then came along, I'm trying to remember what vegetable it was. It was, uh, <laughs> it was something. And was it Gracie or Ethan? Probably both along the way. They, they do a wonderful job with vegetables. It's amazing. Far better than their dad did. But I drew the line, and I'm like, you have to finish all of that. And it was like a pile of vegetables. And Jenny looks at me, and she's like, <laughs> I mean, I would have said like two bites, you know, but I said it all. And that poor, either Ethan or Grace, they sat at the table. And I mean, it's on the verge of like choking, you know. And <laughs> so... The next time we had that situation, we had talked and worked out, hey, what is realistic here? Like, let's set him up for the win, not for the fail. Um, and so, you see what I mean? Be careful where you draw the line, but when you draw the line, hold it. Hold it. 
The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give you delight. He, he will give delight to your heart. Another passage. Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. When, I, when you hear the rod, don't think like metal pipe, okay? Think of the rod of discipline. It is the function of discipline. That's what those Proverbs are speaking of, okay? Just sometimes you have to clarify that. We're not talking about a metal pipe. Whoever spares the rod of discipline hates his child, his son. But he who loves him is diligent. There's a word, diligent to discipline him. We live in a day that says that a parent should never spank a child. God disagrees. Don't just be clear. These are not antiquated, outdated verses. We, we got to catch that. That's subtle. It happens in our consciousness. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the Bible. It's super old. We, we, obviously, we know. No, we don't know better now. God knows best. That he knows the heart. He knows exactly how this is supposed to work. And his wisdom says there is a time for spanking. There is a time and a place. And it's loving. Let's be clear about what it is and what it's not. Spanking is loving, purposeful discipline that is for the child. It is not angry, quick-tempered, whack. That's not discipline. That's abuse. If I move against my child for me, I'm abusing my child. If I move to meet them with the rod of discipline for their benefit in love, and by the way, the fruit of the Spirit, one of the most important ones is what? Self-control. If I am not in the place where I can show forth that kind of love and fruit to my child, I'm not ready to discipline. I need to wait. I remember my mom saying one time after I totally destroyed this cedar chest by crashing my metal airplane into the, it was an awesome aircraft carrier, honestly. It just, uh, and, and, but I kept having engine problems and I crashed and I poked holes all through our cedar chest. She just, it's a family heirloom. She loved it. She had just recovered it. And she saw that and she was like, just you wait till your father gets home. <laughs> and then she got on the phone. You better come home quick, honey. You better come home quick. And, and so, but I'm so grateful in those moments, rather than just turn loose on me, she loved me by choosing discipline over abuse. Loving discipline moves for the child, not angrily against the child. Now, let's be clear. If the spanking doesn't sting, it's ineffective. So be careful. There's all kinds of discussion on that. I, I think it's very important. I think uh, the hand is probably the safest way to go because you can tell the sting. You feel it yourself. You know about the spanking. But more questions, we can work on that another time. There's just not time this morning to get into all of those things. But I just think it's so critical to distinguish between some of you were abused. Let's be clear. Some of you grew up in homes where you were abused. 
And it was called discipline. It's not discipline when it's out of control. But we are called to loving discipline. And spanking is a part of that. Here's some categories for it. Don't discipline ignorance. Instruct. When the child does something unknowingly, right, they, they don't know, uh, then, then instruct. I remember one time at the Christian school, I, I heard someone call a name to someone else, and, and then like just a few minutes later, I called a kid this name. I won't repeat it because it's super offensive. I just didn't know. I just did what I heard someone else do. My teacher lit me up, grabbed me by the ear, hauled me down to the principal's office. You're a pastor's kid. You should know better than to call people names like that. I don't even know what it means. And so they discerned that, and rather than get a hack, which I did later on, uh, I was instructed. They taught me how offensive this word was, and I never used it again. That's a different scenario. See, the second category would be instinct. And what is their instinct? Sin. Their instinct is going to be drawn to disobedience and sin. So if you haven't yet taught and established the line, then use that instinct moment to teach and correct. No, listen, honey, that is wrong. That's sinful behavior. You should not punch and pull people's hair out, right? That, that is wrong. That's not okay. We don't do that in this home. What you're doing is you're establishing the boundary. You're drawing the line in the sand. If you haven't done that, it's not appropriate to discipline at that point. Make clear the line, and then when defiance comes, when she does it again, purposefully disobeying a clear instruction that you have set forward, that is the time to discipline. I feel like sometimes people overdo spanking. Spankings happen like all the time, and, and these categories can be helpful. Are we at a spanking? Was that clear? Did they understand? Okay, now that we understand, let me just tell you, if you do this again, you're going to get a spank. That's helpful and loving, and it can be a, a help. I Honestly, we didn't spank a ton, partly because we were trying to work in these categories, but defiance has to be spanked. I remember when Ethan uh, decided that he did not want to pick up his Legos, and the, the instruction had come very clearly, repeatedly, and the instinct was there, and it was corrected, and I said, okay, I'm going to tell you this one more time. You have to clean up your Legos. That is how it's going to go. That's how it works in this home. And God has told you to obey your parents. That's me. So this is about the Lord here. And if you don't do it, you're going to get a spanking. And he sat there and he looked at me like, not going to happen. <laughs> and that's when he got his first spanking. Just a few weeks ago. <laughs> Just joking. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Hebrews 12. My son, do not lightly regard the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. That's you, Christian. That's you. Look at His fatherly love in the way He loves us. He chastises every son whom he receives. He disciplines us, why? For our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment of all discipline seems painful 
uh, rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I dreaded the day that I had to spank my children. I did not want to do it. That's not easy to do. But with the fatherhood of God setting that example, it calls forth this kind of love. And it does yield fruit. A peaceful home. I'm telling you, you can parent your teens when they're two. That's when teen parenting begins, when they're two. The work you do to lay the foundation, to pour the concrete there, has everything to do with the fruit that is yielded in later years. Make sure as you do this work that you reaffirm the love and leave the offense. One of my most precious times was after my father had spanked me. He was the primary spanker in the home, the spiritual leader. That was his, his role. And he would always end that special time with a hold and embrace, words of love and affection. He was often crying himself. You see what I'm saying? This is the, the love of a father that loves the child. It's about holiness. It's about obedience. It's about what God has commanded. I just want you to embrace this. And then he would say often, let's go have fun. Let's go have fun. You see what that meant? It's okay now. I'm not holding this against you. I'm not going to drag it out. It's paid for. It's finished. We're good. Let's go. So we would go out and join the rest of the family, and it was good. Catch and affirm God-honoring behavior. If the only time they hear you speak is when they're doing something wrong, it's not okay. Notice when they're obeying. Applaud it. Encourage it. Fan that flame. I just want you to notice. As I came out the other night. I'm like, guys, you just both thanked mom. I just love that. That's awesome. Way to go. Good job. Affirm it. You know, tenfold of the good things even in the midst of those that are disobedient. Christian parenting seeks to warmly love, engage, and laugh with each of our children. Each of our children. Some of you have homes where there are many, many children. This is hard work, right? You're, you're covering a lot of ground. But it's important that the child engage you directly and personally. I'm the middle child, right? So my, my older brother and my younger sister and I appreciate the work that my parents did because I felt this. As the middle child, I kind of felt this. Like, what about me? Where do I fit? What, what, how does this go? And so I cherished time with my dad one-on-one, with my mom one-on-one. Warmly love and gauge. It is not an either-or. There are times where I see situations and, and, and the parenting work is just like the cold, raw rule of law. And you kids get in line, and, and, and I'm the general, and I bark out the orders, and if you get out of line, you're going to hear from me. And, and it's just this distant thing. That's not, that's not appropriate. That's not how God loves us, is it? He's not just up there dispensing lightning bolts and, 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 and saying that that's all, and that's love. He's close. He's with us. And so, yes, clear and established authority along with warm, loving relationship, hugs, snuggles, words of affection, 
Parents, tell your children how much you love them. Tell them. Use those words. Affirm them. Make sure you have a lot of fun. I remember nights where my dad would declare, tonight is a sock war. We would take all the socks in our drawers, tie them in knots, and just throw them at each other for hours. It was great. Or for a Baptist home, this was a big deal. It's dance party. We're going to crank up the music, and we would be like doing, creating all these different moves, and my parents were in there dancing, and the neighbors thought we were nuts, right? The, are those the Baptists down there? We had a lot of fun. These things are important. If the only time you lay a hand on your child is to discipline them, you will drive rebellion deep into their heart. You win the relationship by the loving hand of discipline and the loving embrace of intimacy and closeness. I'm for you. I'm with you. We're in this together. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Think of these words. Think of how he loves us. That's what we are to do, mothers and fathers. Tough and tender. I remember looking at my dad's hands when I was a kid. And I I was struck as I look back on that. That hand is one that I feared, when I disobeyed. That's good. That's good. It's also the hand that held me, that would rub my back at church, the hand that would pat my knee and say, it's okay. We're good, right? It's that hand that I love so much, that embrace. Tough and tender, tough and tender. Christian parenting seeks, number five, to raise each child in God's image, not ours. So often, parents fall into this trap of trying to live vicariously all their dreams and and hopes through their children, and then all this pressure gets placed upon the child to be something that the parent wants the child to be. That is a quick way to drive a child away. It happens a ton in sports, to be clear. Athletics, this is a dangerous thing. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, to be clear, that is not a promise. That is a principle. Okay, Christian parents know this. Just because you raise them in the church does not mean that they're going to be automatically Christians. That's that's not a given. That's not what this verse is saying. There is a call for parents to raise their children up in righteousness, in obedience, and lay for them then a foundation for that. That witness of the gospel echoes through all of life, and God can use it powerfully. But it's the way He should go, not necessarily the exact way of obedience that that you walked. It's righteousness and obedience, to be sure, but it's going to be unique for each child. Our children exist for God's glory, not ours. Discover each child's gifts and interests and enter into that and cheer them on in that. Don't make your child in your image. Allow different children to be their own person. I, I was blessed in a home like this. I, I, just, I felt that mom and dad loved us equally. 
They never played favorites. That's the quickest way to build resentment among the siblings and rebellion against the parents. Don't play favorites. They loved us equally, but just differently. My dad would enter in with me in a way different from my brother and different from my sister. I, I like that. That still continues to this day. Number six, Christian parenting seeks to parent in unity, in unity. Just a, a brief comment on this. If in your parenting work there is one parent who's the good cop, right? Give them what they want. And there's another parent who's having to play the role of the bad cop, law and order, right? And the child begins to discern this. Well, if I really want that new, you know, Lego set, which parent should I ask first? Uh, the good cop, right? I'm going here. And if, if the good cop and the bad cop are not on the same page in unity, you've got dysfunction in the home. The kids in their sinful instinct, they will play that up to its fullest. They will pit you against your spouse in the work of parenting. So there should be no good cop, bad cop parenting. We should enter in together. Uh, what I say is identify the inclinations in each personality. W what is your spouse inclined to as it relates to your kids? What are you inclined to? And allow them to be blessings that complement your unity. Work together, communicate, make decisions together. It can really cause problems. And honestly, it's, it's, it's unfair if one parent undercuts the other parent constantly. It'll cause resentment in your marriage. So walk in holiness, walk in unity, and walk together for the children. And here's, here's the thing to remember. There are times when you should purposefully Choose grace. Choose grace. There were moments with Ethan and Gracie where they had done something wrong and it was clear and it was defiance and they deserved consequences. But I sat down with them and I said, listen, I am a sinner who deserved the fires of hell. And God sent Jesus to take my place. He showed me grace. It's, it's, he bestowed upon me that which I did not deserve. And he withheld in his loving gift of mercy, he, he, he put the punishment on Jesus instead of me. So in this situation, rather than the appropriate punishment, which you know you deserve, mom and I have decided to show you grace. There will be no consequence this time. But to be clear, this is wrong, and if you do it again, there will be. That can impact a young child. It's a category of experience now. I experienced grace. I deserved the spanking or the, you know, the consequence, the loss of this toy for three weeks or whatever, but they showed me grace. So just have that in your category. There are times to show grace, but not every time. Not every time. Number seven, the Christian parent seeks to call children to biblical expectations. Call children to biblical expectations. Here's a few things I've heard over the years. Well, listen, siblings always fight. They always fight. I fought with my brother and sister growing up. That's just the way it is. Or, I hear this from parents. It drives me nuts. Oh, summer, it's going to be awful. The kids are going to be home all summer. How are we going to these 12 weeks? are going to be a nightmare. Okay, if you say that in the presence of your kids, you get what you deserve. 
Right? I mean, like they, they hear that and they're like, oh, okay, we do whatever we want. We can be awful. We can be a nightmare. Uh, or here, the terrible twos. Hey, man, sorry about it. We're just in the terrible twos. This is the way it is. Or the terrible teens. Oh, just, you just expect disrespect. That's the, phrase, the, the phase that we're in. Throw all of this out. This is a cultural desensitization and a lowering of the bar. We are called to holiness in our walk with one another. We are not called to disputing and selfish behavior and fighting. Hold the standard of the holiness of God and don't lower your expectations. It's important to have this clear. Will we conform to the pattern of the world? Or will, just previously like we talked in another sermon, will we be transformed to the holiness of Christ? To be clear, siblings don't have to constantly fight. That can be addressed. I grew up in a home where the expectation was we were going to get along. And when we were not getting along, I would hear these words. From my mother especially, I loved it. She would break into these words. Oh, behold, how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity. (laughs) And all of a sudden, we're chiming down, right? Or this one, as she drives in the minivan. Children, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The call was... Obey the Lord. Honor the Lord. Show love to your brothers and sisters. We don't have to settle for sin. That's not love. That's not Christian parenting. Lastly, as we close, it's important to acknowledge the limitations of the Christian parent. The limitations of the Christian parent. This is the reality, Christian parent. I cannot save my child from their sins. I am not Jesus. You have to regularly remind yourself of this. What are you to do as a parent? What can you not do as a parent? You are not the Savior. You're called to point to the Savior. You cannot make your child come alive in Christ. You are called to woo them with the gospel. Call their hearts to the gospel and There's a work in this that is critically important. We can't finish a sermon on this without bringing it to the focus. You point them to Jesus in 10,000 ways, and then you pray. You pray. Maybe the most significant work you will ever do as a parent, it happens on your knees. When you pray, oh God, please save my child. Open their eyes, change their heart, help them see Jesus, convict them of their sin. Bring them to life by your grace. I pray and grow them up in Christ-likeness. Root them in the gospel. More than anything else we long for our children, this is our prayer. This is our prayer. The example of Job here is real. Job was called a righteous man. He walked upright and righteous with the Lord. But he had some children who it seems, as you read, did not actually do that. They were partying children. And Job would, every day, go up the hill and make sacrifices for them. He would plead the blood of the sacrifice over his children, pray for them that God would show mercy and grace upon them. That is faithful parenting. 
There are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. God is the one who is sovereign in salvation, not us. And so I would just close with this. Be faithful to do what He has called you to do, Christian parent, and then trust Him to do what only He can do. What only He can do. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank You for the way You love us. Thank You for the revelation of so much in Your Word as it relates to this. I know we've only scratched the surface, Lord, today of Your call for Christian parents to shepherd and, and, uh, and, and proclaim the gospel to the kids. We thank you for every child that you've brought into this church for all those generations that you're raising up even now. Lord, help us to be doers of the word. We delight in you and your fatherhood, Lord. Make us like you in the way that we parent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.